أعوذ بالله السميع العليم من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين And welcome to the Scale of Wisdom podcast brought to you by the Batul Foundation In this episode we are going to speak about the ninth Shi'i Imam Imam Muhammad al-Jawad alayhi salam now one of the principal characteristics about the imama of Imam al-Jawad is that he became an imam at a very early age. His father Imam al-Rida died when he was nine years old and he was the only son of Imam al-Rida. So there was no confusion in the fact that he was the next imam. But what did confuse the Shia is that how could somebody with such a young age be the leader of the Muslim community and have the required knowledge and qualities of an imam. And so for the beginning of Imam al-Jawad's imama, he faced a lot of questions from the Shia in order to establish his knowledge and establish his imama. In some traditions, in some of those sessions, up to 30,000 questions were asked to the imam so that the Shia could be satisfied that the imam had inherited the knowledge of his forefathers. But while this phenomena was confusing for the Shia at the time, the establishment of the Imama of Imam al-Jawad made clear a number of issues for the rest of the Shia for the rest of time. And that is that age is not an issue when it comes to Imama, when it comes to inherited knowledge. And the inherited knowledge that passes through the Imams is not the same as learnt knowledge. It is something different to knowledge that we just learn in books because obviously a nine-year-old doesn't have enough time to learn all of the things that an imam needs to know, especially the intricacies and the depth of understanding of Islam that an imam must have. And so the nature of the knowledge that is inherited is not an acquired type of knowledge, but rather it is the type of knowledge that is spoken about in the Holy Quran, which is termed as ilm al-ladunni, ilm which is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, knowledge which is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that knowledge has no limitations of age, of time, of place, or any other kind of limitation, because that knowledge is directly given to the recipient from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, in the Holy Quran itself, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us that age is not an issue when it comes to his friends. Prophet Isa, for example, was a prophet from birth. And we saw also in the traditions previously that an imam, even before they are given that inheritance of imama, they don't play and they are not distracted, even as children. So the imama of Imam al-Jawad helped the Shia to increase their knowledge of imamology and what an imam is. And this had the effect as well of increasing faith because for a young boy to have this kind of knowledge is nothing short of a miracle from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But unfortunately, since these sessions of questioning were more for the Shia to establish the actual imama of Imam al-Jawad, the questions and answers in these sessions were not recorded. All that is recorded is that these sessions took place. Otherwise, a resource of 30,000 questions which had been asked to an imam would be very valuable in this time. However, we have other ahadith which are also sufficient for us in this time to establish the imama of Imam al-Jawad. And the first subsection in the section in Mizan al-Hikmah on Imam al-Jawad talks about the proofs of his imama. In the first hadith, the Holy Prophet ﷺ in reply to Abdullah bin Mas'ud regarding the imams from Imam Hussein's progeny said, And from the loins of Ali, meaning Imam al-Rida, his son Muhammad, the praised and the purest of people in form and the best of them in character. 
So in this hadith where the Holy Prophet ﷺ is reported to have mentioned the names of all of the Imams, Imam al-Jawad is mentioned within that. In the next tradition, Abdullah bin Ja'far narrated, Safwan bin Yahya and I visited al-Rida and Abu Ja'far, meaning Imam al-Jawad, who was three years old was standing there. We asked him, meaning they asked Imam al-Rida May Allah sacrifice us for you. If, God forbid, something happened to you, who will be the Imam after you? He said, this son of mine, pointing towards him. We asked, while he is still this young? He replied, of course, while he is still this young. Verily, Allah blessed and most high made Jesus his divine proof on earth when he was just two years old. So we can see from this tradition that some of the companions knew even before the death of Imam Rida that his son Imam al-Jawad would be the next Imam. But for the general acceptance for the whole of the community of the Shia, there was a process that needed to happen in terms of the questioning of the Imam and the establishment of his Imamah. The next subsection talks about his virtues. Yahya al-San'ani narrated, I visited Abu Hassan al-Rida when he was in Mecca. I saw him peel a banana and feed it to Abu Ja'far. I asked him, May I be your ransom? Is this the blessed newborn? He said, Yes, O Yahya. This is the newborn, the like of whom there is none other born into Islam and upon our Shia more blessed than him. So Imam al-Jawad is known to be the most blessed newborn into Islam and the greatest barakah upon the Shia. And one aspect of this, of course, is that through the existence of Imam al-Jawad we were able to better comprehend Imama itself. The other aspect is that due to the Imam's young age, he was more or less ignored by the ruling Khalif, Ma'mun, because Ma'mun didn't see the Imam as a real threat because of his age. Because he was so young, he couldn't be a serious contender for the Caliphate. And so while he gave his daughter to Imam al-Jawad in marriage in order to closer monitor the movements of the Imam, he didn't deem it sufficient to keep the Imam close to him. And so he let him to return to Medina. But while Imam al-Jawad received his Imam at a young age, he also was killed at a young age too. He was killed at the age of 25 because that initial view of Ma'mun in underestimating the Imam was quickly changed because the Imam had all the qualities of all the other Imams, even though their Imam was at a more advanced age. The Imam of Imam al-Jawad also set the stage for the Imam of the 12th Imam because Imam al-Mahdi became an Imam at the age of 5 and the Shia understood that there is no problem in that because they'd already had the experience with Imam al-Jawad and so there was no need to verify the Imam of the Mahdi because the Shia understood that age was not a factor. In the next tradition, Abdullah bin Sa'id narrated that Muhammad ibn Ali ibn Umar al-Tanukhi said to him, I saw Muhammad bin Ali, meaning Imam al-Jawad, talking to a bull, and the bull shook his head. I said to him, No, but can you command the bull to talk to you? He then recited the verse, We have been taught the speech of the birds, and we have been given out of everything. He then said to it, Say, there is no God but Allah, the only one, and he has no partner, and stroked its head with his palm. The bull then said, there is no God but Allah, the only one, and he has no partner. So here as you can see, the narrator of the hadith was completely shocked when he saw the imam speaking to an animal. 
and the imam replied by reciting a verse of quran showing that because the principle of being able to speak to animals had been established in the holy quran it therefore should not have been a surprise to this companion that the imam was able to speak to the animals and as we come on to the later imams especially from imam al-kazim there are many more miraculous events narrated within their histories and this also had the wisdom of increasing the faith of the shia in their imams especially when their contact with the imams was less and less in the next tradition ali ibn hassan al-awasiti known as amsh narrated I bought an item to him from Isfahan made of silver in order to present it to my master Abu Ja'far, meaning Imam al-Jawad. When the people left his company after he had answered all their questions, he stood up and left. I followed him and met a helper of his from whom I requested to seek permission to see Abu Ja'far. I entered and saluted him and he returned my salutation with signs of dislike on his face. He did not come to sit down, so I approached him and emptied all that was in my sleeve before him. He looked at me in anger. Then he looked to the right and left and said, Allah has not created me for this. What has play got to do with me? I asked him to forgive me. He forgave me and then I took the things and left. So from this tradition we can see that the item that Amsh had bought for the Imam was not something suitable for an Imam. And before he even presented that to the Imam, the Imam knew what it was. And so he reproached Amsh for this action. Rather the Imams were focused on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what was good for the Muslim Ummah and not interested in games. In the next tradition and the last one for this episode, Al-Qasim bin Abdul Rahman who was then a Zaydi narrated, I went to Baghdad. While I was there, I saw the people congratulating each other all of a sudden, exchanging honorable greetings and standing up. I asked, what is this? They replied, the son of Rida has come. Then I said, indeed, I must see him. Then he appeared on a male or female donkey. I said, May the curse of Allah be upon the supporters of Imama, who believe that Allah has made obedience to this type of person mandatory. At that very moment he turned to me and said, O Qasim bin Abdul Rahman, are we to follow a lone human from ourselves? Indeed, then we would be in error and madness. So I said to myself, A sorcerer by Allah. And he turned to me again and said, Has the reminder been cast upon him from among us? Rather, he is a self-conceited liar. So the narrator continues, So I left believing in Imama and bore witness that verily he is the proof of Allah on his creation and had faith in him. So this is a story of the conversion of Al-Qasim bin Abdul Rahman to believing in the Imama of Imam al-Jawad He obviously thought that belief in Imama was something quite ridiculous and especially when he saw the Imam, he did not consider the Imam to be anything special due to his appearance. He saw what would be a normal person on a normal animal and at that it would be a young person on a normal animal. He said what he said. It's not mentioned whether he said this part to himself, the first part to himself, or whether he said it out loud, or whether it was out loud but not audible. But the Imam replied to his issue by bringing forth a Quranic ayah in which the Mushrikeen of Makkah also had the same issue with the Holy Prophet himself, in that the Holy Prophet was a man like everybody else. So why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala appoint any man to be his proof on earth and to make his obedience mandatory? The issue of following and being obedient to a person is something that is absolutely established in the Holy Quran as all people had to follow their prophets. So this is not a valid concern. The narrator then said to himself that how could the Imam have known what was passing through the mind of a person? 
and again the imam turned to him and answered his question using the holy quran again and showing that this problem in his mind was another issue of the mushrikeen at the time of the holy prophet and so with these proofs and with the miraculous nature by which the imam knew the mind of al-qasim he left that gathering believing in the imama of imam al-jawad and believing in imama in general because imama is just an extension of prophethood for the sake of guarding the message of islam inshallah in the next episode we will talk about imam al-hadi alayhi salam wa sallallahu ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala alihi tayyibin al-tahirin